Howdy, friends, and welcome to the Old Hat Podcast. This is Old Hat, James Chambliss, your host. And yes, to answer the question that you probably haven't asked, howdy is a word that I actually use. That's not put on just for you guys. Fortunately for you, a friend of mine, Dr. Aaron, was in an airport in Texas with her mom, and they saw a man in a cowboy hat that they were pretty sure wasn't me. But they talked to him anyway, and the man said hello. And they got to wondering, you know, do we... Do we think Old Hat says hello, or does he say howdy? And I am indeed a howdy man. I say howdy, but it sounds like Heidi. So if you see me in person, I will probably tip my hat and say howdy. So howdy, everybody. I'm glad you're here. Uh, Today's podcast is fueled entirely by coffee. Well, actually, and chocolate, because it's uh, close to Easter time, and so there's random chocolate throughout the house, and I'm better at eating it than I am hiding it. So (laughs) maybe you have that challenge, too. But if I'm talking a little faster than usual, it's not just the coffee, maybe. It might have something to do with the chocolate that I've thrown into the mix as well. Congratulations. We met our first goal as a podcast, and you didn't even know we had one, did you? I hoped to get 500 downloads in the first 14 days, and we did even a little better than that. We had 507 downloads in 14 days on five podcasts, which is really great, uh, and 11 countries. So thank you. Uh, Bahamas slipped in right there at the last minute. So we're, we're uh, we're now bad and international, not just nationwide like ZZ Top. We're international. Made it all the way to Japan and China and Spain and Italy and the UAE, Gabon in Africa. Uh, please don't ask my friend in Africa what the capital of Africa is. That's one of the most annoying questions she gets, apparently. Uh, let's see. Who else? I said Italy, I think. And, of course, the U.S. and Canada and Honduras, my friends down there. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being a part of this. Uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. And I'm betting it's just going to get more fun as we go. Today, we're going to talk about something fun. I'm going to tell you about the Cowboy James show and where that all started. I've mentioned it before, where I go to a school and I just... I'm I'm Cowboy James, and I go and tell him about what it's like to be a cowboy. That started as a good idea by my friend Brenda at church one day. Brenda was a kindergarten teacher at a public elementary school here in our town, and she said, hey, Western Day's coming up. And I went, you know, every day's Western Day for me. And she said, yeah, I know, but it's not for the kids in my class. Would you be willing to come and be Cowboy James for my class and just tell them what you do. Show them, bring them some stuff or whatever so they can learn something about being a cowboy. And I said, well, gosh, I don't know if I'm uh, qualified for that. I mean, you know, kindergartens, I, I'm good with cows and dogs, sort of, but I don't know about kindergartners. And she said, oh, you've got all the right qualifications for this job. And I'm like, do I really? Well, that's great. What, what are they? And she said, you're the only cowboy I know. That makes you the most qualified to do this. And so we got it together. We came up with a plan. We talked about it. I would bring gear, right? Cowboy stuff. Uh, and I'd maybe bring a horse. we talk about that. And then I talked about a branding iron. She's like, oh, that'd be great. I said, you know, we I have this uh, electric branding iron. And, and the one creative skill I really have is with a branding iron, which, you know, 100 years ago in Texas, that particular skill would have seen you hung at some point. In the cattle business, they call it a running iron. You're good with a running iron. It means you can make any brand with any piece of hot iron. I can do that, actually. That's I can draw just about anything uh, as long as there's danger involved, like a really hot branding iron. So we'll do that. Uh, my stipulation for it was we need some wood for the kids. 
everybody needs like a six by six or eight by eight square of wood that I can brand on there for them. But somebody else is going to have to do that because I'm not carpenter enough for that. And she's like, oh, no problem. There's a dad that will take care of that for us. I'm like, well, then fantastic. We set a date and I showed up with cowboy stuff. I basically just cleaned out the barn. You know, what do you have in here that you use on a daily basis? My job is just like your job. If you're not paying attention, you forget that you're using shorthand. You forget that people don't know what the tools are that you're using. You really see it in doctor's offices. You really see it when you're around professionals that do something technical. My plumber comes up with tools I've never seen before, that kind of stuff. So the cattle business is no different. And so I looked at the barn and just tried to go, okay, what what should I bring? Um, okay, so I brought saddles. And I brought bridles and I brought hackamores and I brought lead ropes and, you know, as many things as I could pick up because I just wanted to lay it all out on a table or on the ground so that the kids could be hands on because you really learn a lot that way when you can actually, you know, get more of your senses involved. You can see it, you can hear it, you can smell it, you can touch it, you can shake it, move it. That helps you learn things. And so I brought as many things as I could. I brought spurs and I brought gloves that I use. Then I brought all the medical stuff that you use for cows and horses. So some of them, like you have to give them wormers and that looks like a caulk gun. So I brought some of that and you have to give them shots. Well, the needle gun that you use to give a cow a shot is huge. And so are the needles. And I brought a bunch of those, uh, brought, uh, Ear tags, because that's one of the ways that you assign them a number and know which cow you're dealing with or which calf you're dealing with. Uh, I brought the clippers that we use on horses' hooves, and I brought the bedizos that we use for dehorning cows, and I brought oh, just everything I could think of and set that out for the kids to look at. And really what you try and do is is relate it back to something they know, right? So um, the clippers that you use on horses' feet, you, you ask them, well, listen to you your mom or your dad ever trim your fingernails? Oh yeah, every hand goes up and you pull these big clippers out that are about oh, a foot and a half long, <laughs> a pair of pair of pliers looking thing, but they're sharp on the end, kind of curved around and sharp on the end for trimming up horses. So it was like, well, this is how you trim a horse's hooves. <laughs> That's memorable when you're five years old. Let me tell you, they remember that kind of stuff. They're kind of happy that their moms and dads don't use that kind of equipment on them. So that's a lot of fun and an introduction into all the cowboy stuff. You know, here's a saddle. It's like a chair and here's a blanket and that protects the horse's back. And, you know, when I first started doing this, sometimes the kids knew some of this stuff. Some of them had been on a pony before. Some of them, their grandpa might have cows. That has changed as time has gone by. But that first time out, some of them knew what these things were. So they helped me explain it to their friends. The next thing that I did was uh, bring a horse. I've only brought a horse once to show and tell at school, and y'all, I will never do it again. And I, I mightily advise you to avoid it if you get the opportunity yourself. <laughs> now, none of my horses really qualify for a trip to school. Uh, my father-in-law has always called my horses alley horses. When, you know, when the cowboys would ride into town uh, to go to the saloon and they'd park their horses out front, well, my kind of horses are the ones that had to be parked out back. They're not as pretty, maybe, apparently. They're not, uh, they're not papered. Uh, they're a little rough around the edges, uh, kind of like me. So they're not very good company, it seems like. And so you'd have to park them in the alley where nobody would be embarrassed to see them. So I didn't bring any of my horses. I've got a neighbor that had a great stud horse named Sean. And Sean was a cutting horse, and he was a stallion. That's what a stud horse means. And he uh, 
he could do anything. I mean, he was such a talented athlete for a horse. He There wasn't anything he couldn't do, and he was very responsive, and he was very gentle, and he was very kind, and you could throw a kid up on him and send him off to do something. And when it came to working, Sean could almost work better without a cowboy. If you could explain to him clearly what you wanted done, he could work better and smarter than most of the cowboys that ever rode him could. So they loaned me Sean, and I drove him up to the elementary school. Well, there were 90 elementary students. I could load them up three at a time on Sean's back and walk them around a big circle in the pasture next to the school there. And that'll make a horse tired, just like it'll make a cowboy tired. But golly, the, the joy on those kids' faces, most of them had never dreamed of ever being on a horse. And so that's that's big stuff, right? So we did that. And uh, of course, later I decided to show them what a cutting horse could really do. And I forgot that I was wearing spurs, and Sean did not like spurs. Sean did not appreciate spurs. Sean didn't think you ought to be that in charge of him because he knew more than you did. <laughs> kind of arrogant, as horses often are, believe it or not. But I had, you know, I was in the whole cowboy outfit, right? I had on chaps, and I had on a bandana, and I had on my cowboy hat, as always. But I had spurs on. Well, Sean went to cut, and... I thought I was about to lose my seat, so I, what would you do, right? I locked my legs together to make sure I didn't fall off. Well, when I locked my legs together around his barrel, I hit him on both sides with spurs, and he did not appreciate that. He bucked one time, God bless him. I went straight up in the air and straight up over his head and then straight down flat on my back. <laughs> could not see, could not breathe, and I was hanging onto the reins because I was just terrified that he was going to get loose and stomp 90 kindergartners and then run out on the highway and and wreck a bus full of nurses you know i mean it's just this the worst situation possible so i'm hanging on to the ropes going you know the rain's going well he's going to stomp me and i there's nothing i can do about it i'm just going to take it so i'm clenched up waiting to get stepped on and nothing happens and i open my eyes and sean's just staring down at me like what on earth did you do that for <laughs> He was totally calm about it, and I was like, oh, all right, well, okay, let's get up. And so I go to get up, and he uh, puts his face, his nose, on my forehead, just sniffing to see if I'm completely dumb, I guess. And, and I move to, to get his uh, head off of me before he slobbers on my glasses and realize I don't have my glasses on anymore, which is pretty common when you get thrown off a horse. And I should know because I've been thrown off of more than most people have. You know, the, there's an old thing of, have you ever ridden a horse? If you ask somebody, you really want to know, have they ever ridden a horse before you ask, have you ever been thrown from a horse? And if they say, absolutely not, then you know they haven't spent very much time on horseback. Uh, I'm kind of famous for saying, I think I've been under as many horses as I've been on top of. I ride uh, a lot, and so I've been off of a bunch of them. And it doesn't matter how old your cowboy is or how much he knows about horses, if you ride them enough, at some point, they're going to let you off in an unexpected fashion. And if you wear glasses like I do and are blind as a bat without them, then you're going to have to have some friends to hunt up your glasses for you. I always kept an extra pair in my saddlebags. They weren't a good pair, but they were good enough to help me find my good pair usually. Assuming your horse hadn't stomped them. But Sean hadn't been anywhere, so surely he hadn't stomped them. And so while the teachers were talking to the children who I had just traumatized by being flipped off a horse right in front of them, and the teachers did great. They were explaining to them, look, you know, horses are dangerous. You know, some things, even if you're an expert, Cowboy James is an expert, but you can still fall off your horse. So you have to be careful. You have to always be safe. Great teaching opportunity. And they took it. 
While they were doing that, the teacher's aides were literally crawling through this pasture on hands and knees looking for Cowboy James's glasses so he could see. Y'all, I didn't know how I was going to get home if they didn't find my glasses. One of them did find my glasses, though, and brought them to me so the show could go on. But Sean's part of the program was over at that point. So we moved on to the... Uh, to the next part of the program, and I really thought Sean would have stolen the show with uh, that little train wreck, but as it turns out, that was just kind of warming things up. Uh, that was a bad choice of words now that I think about it. It was, yeah, things got even warmer. So we all crowd into a classroom, and they've got a board on one wall, and I teach the kids how to draw a brand. And first, I draw mine for them, and then I draw some of the famous brands from Texas, because they're talking about Texas history that week. There's the brand, the Four Sixes, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's Four Sixes. The guy that came up with that brand, that was the hand on which he won all his land in a poker game. There's the XIT, which is still a famous ranch here in uh, Texas. It's 10 in Texas, it stood for. The 10 people that put in money to buy the land. There's the King Ranch, which has the Running W as their brand. Looks like uh, Cassiopeia. It, it looks like the the star formation Cassiopeia goes around the North Star. You can look that up if you want to. I'll point it out to you if we ever go camping together. You may have seen the, the King Ranch brand on Ford trucks. They've got an advertising kind of package that they put on one of their big Ford pickup trucks, and it's the it's the King Ranch package, and it's, uh, it's, it's a good-looking truck. If you like King Ranch, you might like one of those. So we talk about all the different brands that there are, and then... I tell them how you can design a brand. So where do you get an idea for a brand? Well, most people might take their initial. Like my initial is uh, H for hat or O for old. <laughs> I think let's go with H for hat. So you can put like the, the mouth part of a smiley face under an H and that would be the rocking H. Or you can put uh, the two top parts of a triangle over the H and, and have a rafter H. You can put a little hyphen in front and have the bar H. You can put a a diamond around it and have the diamond H. Just things like that. It's a lot of fun. You can put a little circle over the initial, like a an angel's halo, and that could be the angel H. I am certainly not qualified for that one. And then, of course, you can do anything. I mean, you can draw a brand to look anything uh, you want it to look like. And so went through that with the kids, and then all the kids got a piece of paper and a crayon, and they started drawing their own brand. And I can tell you, ever since I came up with the halo for the angel A, 90% of the girls get the halo and the angel over their initials. So you really want to be sure you can draw a circle with a branding iron before you offer that kind of service. And then it's just fun to watch what their creative minds come up with. Kids will come up with the greatest things. It's a neat idea. I'll try it. You know, I can draw just about anything. And so it's a hot Texas day and I decided to set up my branding iron. Now, it's an electric branding iron because in the cattle business, we have gotten so modern that we occasionally use electricity now instead of just a fire to lay our branding irons in. And I've got an electric branding iron that plugs into 110, just like your wall socket. And it's got a one, a two, and a three. And that just works out to have all the right angles and all the right curves so that I can draw just about anything that a five-year-old can come up with. Uh, and... With practice, just about anything I can draw with a branding iron with a one, a two, and a three. Well, I went outside the classroom because, of course, you don't want to be inside when you're running a branding iron because it puts off a lot of smoke. But there's a covered walkway. That's perfect. I'm in the shade. That's fantastic. Well, the first kids come out, and I've got uh, these little probably six-by-six six squares of wood, and the first kid holds up their paper, and I look at it, and I put my branding iron on the piece of wood to start it 
you know, to start drawing what they've drawn. And I disappeared in a puff of smoke. I mean, the, the wood that they brought put off a lot of smoke when you hit it with, a, you know, a 1400 degree branding iron and just smoke went everywhere. No big deal. I'm used to that. I just keep going. Then the fire alarms go off for the entire elementary school. And if you went to a public elementary school in Texas, you knew what happened. The bell started ringing in a certain fashion. Every kid dropped what they were doing and lined up at the door and marched out the building and directly away from it. <laughs> and so I'm kneeling there with my with my uh, fire alarm inducing branding iron, watching all of the kids I'm supposed to be branding for march out into the pasture where just recently my horse had so gloriously dumped me in front of all of them. So I unplug my branding iron and I just stand around because I know there's not a fire. There's just a cowboy. That's all that's going on. And then, of course, what comes down the highway? You guessed it. The fire department, all of them. They didn't leave anybody at the station to answer the phone. Everybody showed up. And I had to apologize to all of them. And y'all have a long history of apologizing to, to firefighters that Surely that's for another day's stories. So the firemen came and they had to check everything out and decided that the school wasn't on fire and all the kids could go back. And so we were getting back to work, but we then had the company of the principal, if I'm not mistaken. So we had a little more supervision. We moved farther from the building, so the smoke might not set off the fire alarm. But the principal was there to call the fire department if I did manage to do that trick again. And so the kids start coming out and we're I'm drawing brands on there and it's the standard stuff, the Angel A and the Angel K and the Rockin' C and the Rafter J. And it's just on and on, same old stuff. And every once in a while, some kid will want a number or some kid will want, a, you know, something unique that they've come up with. And that's fun. I like trying to do that. One little boy came up and he was holding a piece of paper and he it had an L on it. That's it. So I'm assuming his name is starts with an L. And he's not making eye contact and he's not smiling. And I'm like, is that, would you like, you know, would you like to, a rocking L? Nothing. Would you like maybe a rafter L? Head shaking, no. Okay, all right. You know what? We'll just do an L. And so I draw an L, which it couldn't be simpler, right? And I'm looking at it and I'm looking at him thinking, man, I'm not reaching this guy at all. He's wearing glasses. He's one of the only kids wearing glasses. Well, now, I wear glasses, as we've already learned in this story. And so I flip his uh, piece of wood over, and on the back, I draw a pair of eyeglasses that look an awful lot like his. And I brush it off and hold it up so he can see it. He looks at it, and he cuts his eyes at me, and then he cuts his eyes at the wood, and he grins real big. <laughs> like, yes, I got him. That's fantastic. I reached this kid. That's fun. So I give him his block of wood, and he goes on about his business. And, and I didn't... Uh, I didn't set off any more smoke alarms, so I learned a lot that day. Get far from the building. Bring a lot of stuff. Don't bring a horse. Uh, stay very far away from the building if <laughs> you're working with smoke like that. But it was a fun day. It was a success. Uh, I learned a lot, like I say, but, uh, but I enjoyed it, and I've done it a lot in the years since then. I'll tell you a funny thing happened about 10 years later. My family and I are at the East Texas State Fair. So you may have heard of the Texas State Fair or where you live, they may have a state fair. And that's where you bring your pig to get a ribbon. That's where you bring your quilt to get a ribbon. They they have a photography contest and it's judged by age. Uh, you can see tractors and you can see performances and you can all the clubs are there. It's just a fun time. It's just a country fair. There's a midway. There's all the rides. There's the Ferris wheel, and there's the roller coaster, and there's the kitty rides. What's the one that spins? 
that makes me sick. <laughs> it's a kid's ride, but I just can't. It just you sit in this little saucer and it just spins and spins and spins as it goes around. And so I can't do that one, y'all. So my family and I are walking around the midway where all the games are, where they yell at you to come spend your dollar and try and win a teddy bear. And we're walking along in this big group of black kids coming the other way, teenagers, just having fun at the fair. And our group gets tangled up with their group and they shuffle around us and we shuffle around them and we're laughing and they're laughing. We're all having a good time at the fair. And we get past them and a couple of them run back and run around in front of us and stop and stare. And one of them was just staring at me. And I said, Heidi, tip my hat. And he said, are you Cowboy James? And I said, well, yes, I am. And he turned and yelled back to the other group. I told you it was him. I told you it was him. And they all come running back. And it turns out this was the kid who I drew sunglasses or the glasses on the back of the wood for 10 years ago when he was in kindergarten. And now he's in high school. And some of the other kids were there that day. And so they remembered Cowboy James, too. And it was really fun. And we ended up, I guess we were quite a sight at the fair that night because it was the the old white cowboy and his family and this great big group of black teenagers. And we just ran around the midway and had a good time all night. It was so much fun. But he remembered that. It was a big deal to him. Y'all, that was he was five years old. And 10 years later, he still remembered that. It was such a fun thing to him. That really taught me a lesson because that little piece of wood is really memorable to a lot of people. Years later, uh, my youngest kids were in high school themselves, and they're really fast at the track. And so one summer, we're up at the track, and we're getting times just so they kind of know what they're working on. They ran the 100 and the 200-meter dash, and then the 400, and then the relay races, and they were just super fast kids. And we were just up there working them out. And there were a couple of college kids there, and they were doing the same thing we were, just timing each other and what have you, trying to work out, get in shape. And uh, at one point, I ended up talking to him. I said, well, I guess I'll introduce myself. And one of them said, oh, I know who you are, Mr. Chambliss. And I said, oh, do you go to school with my children? No, I'm in college. Oh, well, how do you know me? He said, when I was in fourth grade, you came to my school and you were Cowboy James and you branded my brand on a piece of wood and I still have it in my room at home. Y'all, that was amazing to me that he had not just kept it, but he recognized me. Now, I'm at the track, okay? I'm not wearing chaps and spurs, and but he remembered that. It made a big impression on him. There's also a third grade teacher that I'm friends with on Facebook. I keep waiting for her to say, hey, why don't you come on Western Day for my third grade class? Because I promise you, she's still got an Angel K somewhere around her world, don't you, Kelly? <laughs> uh, so... I guess the last time that I did this, no, the time before, I guess, a couple times ago, I was doing this for a kindergarten pre-K group, and this one little girl came up and watched, but she didn't want anything. And I kept asking, and she didn't want anything. Well, my bride walked up and talked to her for a while, and then came back and said, uh, this is Kaylee, and she would like a flower. And I just stared, because I've never done a flower. And I said, well, I don't guess I know how to do a flower. And my bride said, yes. You do, and she would like one. I'm like, all right, one flower coming up. So now I can do flowers with a branding iron. And the last one I did was also for Brenda, the one who came up with this ideal in the first place, years later, said, would you come over to this other school and do it over there? And so I did the Cowboy James show over there. And one of the teachers said, I have a special request for a brand, but I'm going to go last. I'm like, okay. And I'm so grateful she did, because what she wanted was a butterfly. 
And y'all, that was hard to do. And you know, if she had asked first, every girl there would have wanted a butterfly. So I'm really glad I only had to do one butterfly. So you know what I learned out of all this? I learned how to draw flowers and butterflies, of course. And I learned that uh, it really makes a difference, these things that you show up and do for people. But, you know, the main thing I learned is that these kind things we do for people, they matter for a long time. It's not just, you know, if you're nice to somebody today, if you show kindness to somebody today, they don't just know it today. They remember it for a really, really long time. And it doesn't matter if it's kind words, just the encouraging things you say to people. Those last a long time. I send a lot of postcards, and I know people that have had my postcards on their refrigerators for 12 years. That's a long time. That, but you know what? They think of it very kindly. They remember it. But, you know, I think the biggest gift you can give people is just be present. And I'm not going to tell you to get off your phone. Uh, yeah, we'll get off your phone. You know, when you're with a group of people, be with them. Just be there with them. That's the greatest gift you can give somebody is your attention. Just being present there with them. That's important, and it lasts a whole lot longer than you think it does. It's a whole lot more important than you probably know it is. You're valuable, and so when you give somebody your attention, it matters to them so much. And I'm, I'm, I just encourage you to do that for one another. Be kind. Be present. Uh, do kind things for people. Well, I'm James Chambliss, and that's the end of Episode 6. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for listening. And I'm going to tell you the same thing I told you at the end of Episode 5, because I still believe it's the absolute truth, not just about this podcast, but about your life. The best really is yet to come. Thanks for listening.